So my name's Candace. I work for an organization called Elevate Indianapolis. So I live in Indy. Um, and I'm what you call a teacher slash mentor. So um, I work in a high school, and we teach an elective class that is um, based on character development and leadership. So we're just trying to train our students to be leaders where they are, and hopefully they graduate and go on to do that. So because I'm a teacher, I need, like, participation. So there will be times throughout our time together today that I will ask you to do some things that might be a little bit uncomfortable, but hopefully we can break the ice and kind of make it fun. Deal? Deal. Okay, so the first thing I need you guys to do is stand up. Right off the bat, I know, out the gate. Okay, so growing up, one of my favorite games was, you could probably guess, Simon Says. So we're going to play Simon Says. Just, just to get the blood pumping, you know, you guys were playing that game earlier, and it just made me think we should do it. Let's just do it. Okay. So Simon Says, put your hands by your sides. Pretty simple, right? Simon says, clap one time. Simon says, clap two times. Simon says, clap three times. Now four times. Oh, have a seat. See? Simple, simple, Simon says. All right, let's try it again. Simon says, sit down. Simon says, stand up. Simon says, sit down. Simon says, stand up. Now sit down. Mmm, okay, You're good. you guys are good, you're good, okay. Simon says, put your hands by your sides again. Now raise your right hand. Oh, sit down. <laughs> Simon says, raise your right hand. Simon says, raise your left hand. Simon says, put your left hand down. Simon says, say, I, I love. love. Oh, have a seat. Everybody that says love, have a seat. Come on, guys. Come on. All right. Simon says, put your right hand down. Simon says, put your right hand up. Now put it down. Oh, have a seat. All right. <laughs> Simon says, put your right hand up. Say, I. Ooh, have a seat. All right. The last one standing. The last one standing. This will be our last go around. Simon says, put your right hand down. Simon says, put your right hand up. Simon says, put your right hand down. Now put it up. Oh. I'm winning. Okay, last time. Simon says, put your right hand up. Simon says, say I. Simon says, say love. Simon says, say Jesus. Cool, you guys can sit down. All right. <laughs> Simon, didn't, Simon says, you guys can sit down. Okay, okay. Cool. So, um, yeah, today we're going to talk a little bit about what it means to be united with each other. We're going to open up a pretty familiar passage of Scripture. So if you have your Bible, if you could open it up to Luke 15. Before we start, though, um, I'm going to go ahead and pray. And then I'm going to do a couple of exercises with you that I do in my classroom every day. Okay, so it'll be fun. Um, but let's pray first. Lord, thank you so much for being who you are. Um, I don't even know why I'm up here, but I'm grateful uh, for the opportunity to just be with, uh, with friends and with family, Lord, um, people who know you and um, are excited about getting into your word. Lord, I pray that you would make it really clear to us what you want us to understand from this scripture today. Uh, make it really clear to us personally and individually 
um, the ways that we need to um, unite with each other, Lord. And so, um, yeah, thanks for this time, and we love you in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, so the first thing that we're going to do, like I said, open up your Bible to Luke 15, and you can just kind of put your finger there if you have one of those little bookmarker things. And then I want you to find, we call them elbow partners, somebody who's just right next to you, and you're going to tell them this. How are you doing? Oh, they didn't all show up. So, how are you doing this morning? I want you to pick an emoji. It doesn't have to be one of the ones up here. Just an emoji that describes how you're feeling, how your day is going, in like the next, oh, I didn't bring my phone, the next minute. I'll just, I'll time it from here. Five seconds, four, three, two, one. Thanks, guys. So just throw out some of the ones that you guys uh, talked about with your partner. Tongue out, just ready for the day, or what does that mean? Like, okay. Anybody else? The sleepy one. I'm with you, girl. Yes. Anybody else? Smiling. The one with the hands or just regular? With the hands, that's the, that's the best one. Cool, cool, cool. Okay, so the next thing that we're going to do is it's a little bit deeper than just how you're doing, but the next question is you're going to find a partner, and on a scale of 1 to 10, 1 being not at all and 10 being amazingly, um, how well would you say that you're connected to other Christians on your campus who aren't in this room or a part of crew, Okay on your campus who aren't a part of crew. And then let that person know why you gave that rating. And then I'm gonna come around with the mic and interview you, okay? You guys got like a minute. in your way. No? Okay. All right, five seconds. Four, three, two, one. All right. I'm going to come over here. You guys look like you were having a great conversation. You too? Is that cool? What's your name? Jake. Jake, what's your name? Reed. Reed. Okay, what did you guys talk about? What did you write yourself? I said I'm a four because I'm involved with this discipleship group called Awaken. It's awesome, and every one of you should come. It's on Tuesday, Tuesday nights at 930. But um, 
I'm involved with that, but that and crew kind of outside of that. It's, I, I mean, I know some other people, but it's mm-hmm. kind of where it ends. Okay, so four, cool. What's your name again? Reed. Reed, yes. Uh, yeah, just being a graduate now, um, I'm not so always oh. around crew and stuff like that. Got so uh, just meeting Christians through work, and um, I also am involved with like outside worship houses that people just go and you know worship Jesus. And so I've okay. been meeting a lot of Christians recently that aren't through crew, which okay. has been refreshing. Okay, now Reed, I'm going to put you on the spot just okay. a little bit. Is that okay? Yeah. All right. So when you were on campus, how long ago was that? That was that was spring. Spring, okay. So by the end of your senior year, what would you have rated yourself? Mm, I'd say four or five. Four or five? Yeah. Okay, cool. Ladies, I'm coming over your way. Get ready. Mm, right here. Oh, no. Oh, no? <laughs> They're like, no. Back here. All right. Hey, friends. How's it going? What's your name? Kimberlyn. Kimberlyn. Oh, I said... Anyway, Kimberlyn, <laughs> and what's your name? Mariah. Mariah, cool. What year are you? I'm a senior. Senior and senior. Senior, awesome. This is perfect. So, what did you say? I said a four. Okay, why? Um, I have a couple friends that are involved in other Christian organizations on campus, mm-hmm. um, and then some old work friends. But Okay, what are some of those organizations, if you don't mind? Yeah, um, NAVS and Revo. Okay, mm-hmm. cool. And I gave myself about probably a three or a four. Um, okay. My church, there's some people that teach Sunday school with me who are not in crew, and then um, some of my classmates, and then some NAVs and Revo people as well. Okay. Kimberlyn, I would like to put you on the spot as well. Is that okay? Sure. All right. Would you say that outside of those organizations in your church that you just named, that you would know where to find any other Christians on campus? In a large gathering besides maybe a church. Okay. On campus, though, I'm trying to think. We have lots of organizations, but I don't know because I, I haven't really thought it out, I guess, since I've been in crew. But Okay. Cool. Thank you, guys. Can you guys give our volunteers a hand? They didn't even know I was coming for them. Thank you, guys, for helping me out. All right. So I just want you to think about Continue to think about whatever number that you chose for this question because that's going to kind of carry us through our time, okay? So, Luke 15, everybody there? All right, I was going to bring some people up to read Hunter. Where's Hunter? I'm not going to bring you up, but I just want to, I mean, the way that you read the scripture earlier was just, you have the best voice for that. Like, it was awesome. Awesome. (laughs) Yes. Cool. Um, But for the sake of time, I think we'll just keep it moving. So we're going to start at verse 11. Pretty familiar story, uh, the the parable, excuse me, of the prodigal son. So, and then Logan, can you just let me know how much time I'm working with? Cool. All right, so uh, starting at verse 11, everybody there? All right, and he said, he being Jesus, there was a man who had two sons. The younger of them said to his father, Father, Give me the share of property that is coming to me. And he divided his property between them. Not many days later, the younger son gathered all that he had and took a journey into a far country. There he squandered his property in reckless living. And when he had spent everything, a severe famine arose in that country. And he began to be in need. So he went and hired himself out to one of the citizens of that country, who sent him into his fields to feed pigs. And he was longing to be fed with the pods that the pigs ate, and no one gave him anything. 
But when he came to himself, he said, How many of my father's hired servants have more than enough bread? But I perish here with hunger. I will arise and go to my father, and I will say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Treat me as one of your hired servants. And he arose and came to his father. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and felt compassion and ran and embraced him and kissed him. And the son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, Bring quickly the best robe and put it on him, and put a ring on his hand and shoes on his feet, and bring the fattened calf and kill it, and let us eat and celebrate. For this my son was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. And they began to celebrate. Now his older son was in the field, and as he came and drew near to the house, he heard music and dancing. And he called one of the servants and asked what these things meant. And he said to him, your brother has come and your father has killed the fattened calf because he has received him back safe and sound. But he was angry and refused to go in. His father came out and entreated him, but he he answered his father, look, these many years I have served you and I never disobeyed your command. Yet you never gave me a young goat that I might celebrate with my friends. But when this son of yours came, who has devoured your property with prostitutes, you killed the fattened calf for him. And he said to him, son, you are always with me, and all that is mine is yours. It was fitting to celebrate and be glad, for this your brother was dead and is alive. He was lost and is found. Okay, so um, anybody ever seen the movie Mean Girls? (laughs) Kind of weird to transition from scripture to Mean Girls, but it has a point. Okay, so you know when Katie first gets to the school and um, Janice and... Damien, thank you, are uh, showing her around. They have this whole diagram of the lunchroom, right? Everybody's at their different tables. You've got the cool Asians. You've got the, all these people, the greatest people you will ever meet and the worst. Okay, I could quote that movie all day long. Um, but basically they're showing her, okay, based on the differences of the people at our school, everybody has their place. So Katie takes a while, it takes her a while to actually find her place, right? Um, there's, that's a, there's a little bit of dysfunction in that, right? Like if you've ever been in high school, you kind of see it as normal, like you've got your cliques, everybody has their group, right? But it's kind of dysfunctional when you think about it because there are groups of people who literally pass by each other every day and don't see one another. You see how that works? So in this story um, of the prodigal son, there's a little bit of dysfunction that we kind of need to look at before we can even get to the unity part. Make sense? So there's three characters. You got the father, the son, the younger son, I'm sorry, and the older son. So the two sons have pretty different personalities. Um, Anybody, any personality assessment nerds in here like me? Yeah? Do you know what you are? What are you? Yeah. Yeah. ENTJ, all the, oh, the business people in the building, okay. Um, anybody ISFJ? <laughs> my friends. That's me. So introverted, very, um, yeah, to myself, I, I need closure. If I can't see it, then I can't understand it usually. Um, so that's, that's probably how I would characterize the older son in this story, right? He's pretty silent until the very end when he just kind of unloads on his dad. But for the most part, Strong, silent, hard worker, that kind of thing. The younger son, any ESFPs in the room? ESFP? Yes, the life of the party. Yes, ESFPs are like, 
If there's a group of people, they're usually like right in the middle, and that is my little sister, actually. Um, so growing up, we had a lot of rivalry because I'm like, can you just calm down? And she's like, can you just party? Um, so, <laughs> so that's how we probably would characterize the younger son in this story, right? Like he's like, hey, I'm ready to go. I'm ready to do whatever I want to do, and I'm just going to get out of here. But you notice in the whole dialogue in these first few verses, the older and younger son never speak to each other. They never address each other. So you can see that there's already some distance that's created, right? Maybe because of their differences, maybe the older son is just like, can you just work? And the younger son is like, can you just have fun and, like, be cool? So, um, so they're different, but they're in the same family, right? So even when my younger sister used to get on my nerves, my parents would make sure that we remembered, hey, you guys are sisters. So whatever differences you have, that's fine. But at the end of the day, we're family, right? So, um, but even though they were different, they both had the same issue. The issue was that they, neither one of them were in, actively engaging in relationship with the father. Take a look at verse 11, uh, verse 12. The younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the share of property that is coming to me. Now, basically he was talking about his inheritance. When usually do you get an inheritance? When somebody dies, right? So by asking for your inheritance while your parent is still alive, not only is that disrespectful, but what you're essentially saying is, man, I wish you were dead so I could just have this. So can I have it? Right? So the issue was that this younger son was more interested in what he could get from his father than he was a relationship with him. He was more interested in the stuff that he could have than he was in an actual relationship with his father. Now, if you skip on down to verse, let's see, verse 29. So this is after the older son kind of figures out what's going on. He answers his father, look, these many years I've served you, I've never disobeyed you. Yet you never gave me a young goat that I could celebrate with my friends. You see, he's kind of like angry, right? But that kind of reveals something about his connection with the father as well. So not only was the younger son more interested in the stuff he could get, but we see here that the older son is a lot more interested in his father's approval than he is a relationship with him. Because the first thing he brings up is like all of the things that he's done, right? Where do you find yourself in the story? Think about that. So, different brothers, same issue, right? So, when we're talking about being united with one another, the first thing that we need to understand is that being united with each other starts with being united with the Father. They couldn't even see each other because there was so much distance, right? So, the next few things that we'll talk about is how the Father models what it means to unite with other people in the family, which is why I asked you that question at first. Other Christians on your campus? Because even though we're different, you know, maybe we're all sitting at different lunch tables. You got your crew table, the navigators. Um, and uh, where I come from, we have campus outreach and Alpha Chi, and I mean, there's so many, right? Even though we're all sitting at different lunch tables and we're different, we're all a part of the same family, right? Okay, so the first thing that we'll look at is how the father models sacrifice. The father models sacrifice. In verse 13, um, 
It says, not many days later, the younger son gathered all that he had, uh, took a journey into a far country, squandered his property in reckless living. Um, actually, not verse 13. Sorry, I meant 12. Um, so once the younger son asks for his inheritance, it says that the father divided his property between the two sons. So I was reading a commentary that talks about what inheritance was like in those days. And so the, the older son had the right to like more of the inheritance than the younger son. So let's say if, if we're splitting it in threes, then the younger son would get like a third of his father's entire estate, and the older son would get two-thirds of it. So by this point, at the very beginning of the story, the father has nothing. He has literally given his entire estate away. Isn't that weird? Like, he just did it. Um, and so the father is modeling for them what it means to sacrifice for your family. Um, and then in verse 25, when he's talking to his older son, um, you know, his older son was working in the field, and the son had no idea what was going on inside of his house. He just didn't know. Um, and so the father is modeling for them, this is what it means to sacrifice for each other. Um, and not only that, he's also modeling service. Because the fact that he's still alive means that he's still bringing in income for the family, but that income is going to the sons. Does that make sense? He's not taking anything for himself, which reminds me, does that remind you of anybody? Somebody who's modeling sacrifice and service? Let's look at Philippians chapter 2. Okay, starting at verse 5. And it reads, Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men. So the only thing that the son could see visibly was that they were receiving this inheritance. But maybe they hadn't stopped to consider that their father was sacrificing all, literally all he had for them. All he had for them. So that makes me think about myself and the fact that sometimes I just don't like to sacrifice things. I don't like to serve sometimes, even though that's like the whole nature of my job is like serving kids. But sometimes I just don't want to do it, you know? And so thinking about Jesus' model, or the father in this, in this case, who represents Christ, the model is that we sacrifice for one another. So maybe that means if I'm sitting in front of my Facebook screen about to type a status about whatever, someone who's different or a group of people that are different, maybe that means I stop to consider, man, maybe I should sacrifice my likes <laughs> today. Maybe I should sacrifice this opinion or whatever it is, whatever it is for you. Maybe that means in a conversation you sacrifice the laughs of friends because you don't tell that joke that might offend someone, right? Maybe you stop to consider sacrificing the approval of people in order to reach out to that other Christian on your campus who's a part of that other group that you don't really know about. But maybe you sacrifice other people's opinion of that 
to build a relationship with that person, right? So Christ is, uh, the father in the story is modeling not only sacrifice, but service. How can I serve people who are still in my family, but who are different? And there's been distance that's been created because of that difference. Does that make sense? So the last thing um, that the father models, which I think is the hardest part, is initiative. So uh, let's look at verse 20. So with the younger son, he comes to his senses, the scripture tells us, and he realizes, man, I need to go back home. I need to go because my father's servants are getting treated better than me. Um, you, know how, you know how it is when you've done something really wrong to somebody and you know you're wrong. And you just start rehearsing in your mind, like, okay, this is what I'm going to say. I'm going to be like, and that's what he does. He's like, I'm not worthy to be called your son. He's like being all dramatic. And in verse 20, it says, as he arose and came to his father, but while he was still a long way off, so he's like far away at this point, his father saw him, felt compassion, ran and embraced him and kissed him. So first of all, in that time, it was super undignified for a grown man to run because they were wearing all these robes and things, so you have to pick all that up. And he ran to him. So the father is modeling for us, I think, one of the hardest things to do, taking the initiative. He ran to him. And not only did he do that, even when he saw him, what does it say that he felt? Compassion. Compassion. He didn't just see him and think about all the things that he had done to not deserve his love. When he saw him, he had compassion on him, and that compelled him to run to him and take the initiative to rekindle that relationship. How do you think the son felt at this point? And you can just yell it out. Shocked, yeah. Yeah, I'm sure. Anything else? Any other feelings? Loved, accepted, maybe humbled, right? Because we don't see that kind of love often. And then if we look down at uh, verse 28, so when the older son finds out that, oh, you guys are having a party for my brother, my brother who took everything and went away, and I'm, I've been here the whole time working, like, he's really got a chip on his shoulder, right? So in verse 28, it says, He was angry and refused to go in. His father came out and entreated him. So his father did the same thing for the older son that he did for the younger son. Do you see it? He says he came out. He left the celebration to come and see about his son and took the initiative. So not only is he, is he modeling for his sons what it looks like to be united with others, he's also bridging the gap between them, right? They're only like, maybe like a few rooms away at this point. So he's modeling for them what it looks like to be united with one another. Um, and so that kind of makes me think about us as believers. Sometimes we don't take the initiative because we don't even think about it. It's like not even a thought. Oh, I probably should go reach out to other believers. Sometimes we don't think about it because we're pretty comfortable. So maybe we feel the Holy Spirit nudging us like, hey, I think that person, you should go talk to that person or reach out or ask how you can pray. And you're like, ah, uh, I'd rather not because it's uncomfortable. 
You ever had a time like that where it's just been uncomfortable to take the initiative? But the Father is modeling for us what that looks like in spite of our differences, in spite of the things that we disagree about. I think now more than ever in our culture, American Christian culture, we have the opportunity to model for the whole world what it looks like to be united. But we haven't really got it together with each other first, right? So there's really a call for us if we say that we know him and we say that we believe in him, listen, and you might hear him calling you to sacrifice for others. You might hear him calling you to serve others. And you definitely might hear him calling you to take the initiative and set aside whatever it is that's keeping you distant from your family. From your family, because we're family. Look at um, the book of John, and I'm almost done. Chapter 1. And I'm going to read verse 12. Um, Actually, I'm going to start a little bit above that in verse 11. So this whole um, first chapter of John, is everything's talking about Jesus. So in verse 11, he came to his own, and his own people did not receive him. But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. So just like the children in the prodigal son story, if someone has claimed and professed that they love Jesus, then that's your brother or that's your sister. It doesn't matter what they look like or what they, what opinions they hold politically or what, um, what background they come from. It says, to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. So your family is huge, y'all. It's huge. And on your campus, it's huge. Uh, I went to the University of Alabama, uh, roll tide, and I remember (laughs) we had so many campus ministries. I mean, we had crew and navigators, and I was a part of crew and impact, and um, there was just so much division, so much division on that campus, Um, but there was one night and I don't know if you guys have it, I forget what it's called, but it's like a night of worship where everybody's like out on the quad, all of the campus ministries are there, and you're just worshiping together. So you meet people that you probably wouldn't have met if it wasn't for that. Um, And I just remember that being a real like time for me where I realized like, oh, my family is like way bigger than the people that I just hang out with on a regular basis, you know? Um, And so if I could leave you with anything, I would say to sacrifice to serve, and to take the initiative and really pray and ask God who it is. Who is it on campus that you just don't see right now because you're distant from them? Like, who are the brothers and sisters that the Lord will lead you to, to build relationships? It doesn't mean that you have to be best friends, but it does mean that you need to acknowledge that that you have a family, that you have family members that you need to meet, you know? Cool. So the last thing that we're going to do is another activity. I know how much you guys love those. So we're going to go to the last, uh, I think it's the next to last slide. All right. So 
when I say flamingo, not now, but when I say flamingo, you're going to stand up. And I want you to, you might have to cross the room, sorry. Um, but I want you to find somebody in crew that you don't know that well. I want you to find them. I want you to have a short conversation with them. So we'll do maybe like three minutes. I want you to find out one thing that you guys have in common. And then I want you to find out one thing that you might disagree on or not have in common. Pretty simple, right? Then you're going to take a quick picture with that person. If you have Instagram, here's what I want you to do. You're going to type this status or this caption with your picture. This is my sister blank and at them, you know. And, <laughs> and we are hashtag united with each other as children of God and then hashtag Ball State crew. Pretty simple, right? Okay. So you're going to stand up when I say flamingo. You're going to find somebody. It can't be the person that you're sitting next to because chances are you already know them. One thing that you have in common, one thing not in common, and then you post the status. Three, two, one, flamingo. I'm just going to pray, and we will keep it moving. Thank you guys so much for having me. Um, let's pray. God, thank you so much for uh, today. Thank you for family. Lord, I pray that as we go back to uh, our campuses, uh, myself included, that we, you would open our eyes to see who the people are who are in our family uh, that you want us to unite with, Lord. And I pray that you would um, create and continue some beautiful relationships, Lord, that you would um, break down some barriers of difference that maybe uh, you'll show us don't matter in the long run, Lord. Thank you for the way that you model uh, these things for us, Lord. And I pray that we wouldn't see it as like, oh, there's just another thing to do or as a burden, but as an opportunity, uh, God, for you to bring us together so that the world can see. Uh, your word says that they will know us by the way that we love one another. And I pray that you would give us the courage to love each other well. Thank you, God, for this time in Jesus' name. Amen.